Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny. It is the Blue Room. It is your weekly show. A little bit later than usual with that game on Thursday. And it's going to be another disappointing one. Joining me to go through it all are Alan Fahili. Alan, how are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad considering recent events. Um, obviously, I was at the Palace game last weekend. Watched the game last night against Newcastle as well. Very, very difficult times. Just a lack of quality going forward. You know, nothing about them really in the final third. So, yeah, I think we're staring into the abyss now. I mean, there's obviously five games to go, but uh, I would feel pretty pessimistic about the prospect of us picking up enough points. Um, and like we were saying before we started recording, the only real hope is if, you know, two of our rivals begin to kind of collapse and um, save us by virtue of that, basically. But, um, yeah. To be honest with you, woke up this morning and began to acclimatize myself to the idea of life in the championship. Started Googling I follow, trying to get the championship subscription up. <laughs> uh, Ten of the game. Started started looking up which London clubs play and um playing the championships so like schedule away to their ground next season. So yeah, pretty grim altogether. Like, but uh we'll we'll move, we'll move. Yeah. Um also gonna be joining us later is Warren Doyle as well. And you might have heard him there. Um Back on after a while, it's Mike Diasha. Um, very unhappy about having to pay a tenner a game to watch Everton in the second tier. But or, otherwise, mate, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, I thought I'd be more angry, a bit more upset, to be honest with you, when I woke up this morning. And I'm not. I think it's, what, five, six years in the making of just really, really terrible decisions. And I think I reached like my peak rant probably about three or four years ago and at that point it's just coming down and down and down at this point I'm quite looking forward to the idea of not staying 
awake in cold sweats thinking about Leeds versus Leicester anymore. Like that's that that's not going to be a thing anymore. Be great. <laughs> I, I'm just like exhausted today. Like, yeah. Just like, so, like a lot of it is probably to do with the fact you know I have got a new child and I'm quite sleep deprived anyway. But like that yesterday, just like just took so much out of me. Like just and like, I didn't even go to like the bus welcome or anything like that. So there are other people who did all that and went to the game of feeling, but I mean, just the the emotional investments before the game and well, and I think it took I think it took a lot out of everyone. Like, do you know that? Obviously, there's loads of chats about how many people got off, and yeah, fair play for getting off because no way I'm staying there. Not happening. But I think the bus welcome, the banners, the noise. I think. The end of that really signified most of the fans going, I'm tired. I'm really, really tired. Because last year was draining. I think when we all did it, it was really, really draining. And we all said, never again. Here we are. And I think a lot of those fans have just gone, I'm, I'm tired now. And I don't know if I've got it in me to do it again. But that was my worry at the end of, beginning of this year, really, when things began to become apparent that we were in another relegation battle. I was kind of thinking to myself, I don't know if the supporters are going to be able to rally emotionally like they did last season, given the way things have panned out. But it turns out they did. I mean, I was at the Palace game. The atmosphere was actually like feral, the most aggressive atmosphere I've ever experienced in a way in before, even though the view was fucking shocking. You literally. <laughs> I'll do a lot more of that next year, mate, with the Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And then Just for twice like... the price. <laughs> And then I was watching, you know, the game on TV last night and you can genuinely feel the atmosphere coming through the television. You could see how loud it was, how aggressive it was. It was genuinely something spectacular that you wouldn't see in, you know, top European games at so-called intense atmospheres in Turkey or in Italy or whatever. It was top-notch, like genuinely. So the fans completely have done their parts. But I think that, like Mike said, like the way they left the stadium was not a fault of their own. It was because the players just collapse completely like you probably didn't see it on tv on uh in, in the stadium but there's one moment towards the end where michael keen and idris gay had arguments and michael keen was clean clearly clearly seen shouting to gay saying just do your job basically because gay was shouting to him and it was just a really ugly image of infighting within the defense in midfield at a crucial point of the game it was just it was just so distasteful do you know what i mean like and it really pissed me off to be honest with you yeah it's just like I, I, I admire the people who have like tried to to get the things going before the game, and you know it's 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 amazing that they can still put the effort in and and, and try and create something to to drag these like lads over the line. But like, I think you're right there in, in terms of like what it ended up being like because it is such such a, such a brittle thing, isn't it? Because the these players and this football club does not deserve that, and and in, in some senses, it, it's not. Like it, it came about last. The Chelsea game was the first game last season, wasn't it? When it, it happened, and that it sort of came about organically through the week, building up to it. Didn't it? it was like, right, shit, this is really serious now. We all need to do something, and it, it was organic, and it was, you know, in the end, it worked amazingly that day. And we've had them this season. It's sort of been like, remember the Southampton game when they'd won three games of football at this at, at that point, and then yes, they were obviously towards the end of the season and you know, our last home game, they got levered by Fulham and. I think when you when you do that and you, you get everybody up and you, you create something like that, things need to, almost need to go perfectly in the stadium for you because it's it's not spontaneous and 
and organic and, and, and new anymore. It's like we're trying and we're trying to rekindle this thing from last year again, but it's, it's not quite the same because we've been there before, as you mentioned. The people at the top of the club have made the same mistakes that should have never happened again. And loads of those lads who are still the football club on the pitch are making the same mistakes again. It, it just it just felt like, Mike, like everything, everything was there. Like the ground there last night was fertile for what should have been a good... Goodison night and an Everton win. You know, we had all that stuff before the game. Under the lights, big game. You know, we've had some down the years being at the top of the league, some at the bottom, but stakes high. We had a returning villain, in inverted commas, to, to rile things up even more. Like ev- everything you'd associate with all like really good Goodison nights down the years. Certainly, you know, in, in our, all our lifetimes, you know, people who are a bit older would associate it with like Bayern Munich, et cetera, et cetera. But in our lifetimes, those have been the ones that have sort of, you know, stand out. Uh, I've got Everton. You know, we even had Newcastle taking the absolute piss with time wasting and, and tackles and fouls and a shit referee to get us up. And it was, it was like everything's there for, for us here. And then it wasn't because yeah. what's in the team and what's on the pitch and what's in the dugout and what's in the director's box or you know, what's not in the director's box at the moment, it's just not good enough. And it, it's not good enough to bridge that gap anymore. We can, we can only do so much as fans to create it they've got to bridge a bit of a gap to, to get us over the line and, and the team is just not good enough to do it. Yeah, I think contrary to a lot of really dated stereotypes, this is a city built on the idea of hard work and you get out what you put in and people put a lot of effort in yesterday. A lot, a lot of effort. When you were looking at the preparation in the week leading up to it, as you said, when it came out the first time, it was very organic, but this time... It hasn't been, and it has to. There has been a lot of work gone into that. When you get out of it, what you got yesterday, why would you want to do it again? Like under under what circumstances would you look at the way Alexander Isaac does what he does, and Ben Godfrey and Michael Keane stand there and don't do anything? If you spent all week working hard making banners trying to sort out the arrangements for coaches and stuff like that, trying to get people to go and do it. Why are you going to do that next week? What for? Like, as you say, everything was perfect. You couldn't have asked for any more. I was pleading for just an awful referee because the one thing that is perfect for those games is a terrible referee because it gets nasty and it gets snarly. And then the referee inevitably buckles and becomes a homer and it's brilliant. Even that doesn't do it. Like, there was no more that the fans can do or could do. And through no fault of their own, I think that's what you've got to keep saying is, I think we are completely justified in giving up a little bit. Because what is that? And I know we won't, and we'll carry on and we will try. But what else can we do? Like, the the banner will fight for us. It's just so utterly, insipidly desperate that... It's got to that. Like, if you've got to put those words on a piece of blanket and lash them off, then something's gone badly wrong somewhere. I don't understand what... It's like having a bar saying, try and score a goal, isn't it? Like, it should be taken as a given that. Like It's it's... It's like, you may as well get Mark Corrigan going, try and kick it in the goal hole, lads. There is no no next stage from that. That's probably, as you say, that's probably the next stage is do a goal try like where do you go from there there is nowhere so we sort of have ended up in this situation where 
we go, okay, what's next? Well, I've got no nothing else I can do. It's about them. And they're really fucking crap. Right, okay, five games left. Let's see what happens. But I think it's fair to say that pretty much, I would say about 60% of people have probably given up now. I think 60 is probably a fair figure. I've seen some people say, oh, well, you know, Leicester, big game, as the way the last one was a big game and the one before that was a big game and the one before that, and you could go on and on and on. But about 60 now, which is terrifying. It's just, it's sad that it's got here, but it's just also predictable, isn't it? I think the good thing, to be fair, though, is that the Leicester game is away because, like, we know how the away fans are. They're hardcore. Like, um, I've been to all the London aways this season and every time um, the Evertonians come into town, it's always mad, like, no matter how shit the team are, to be honest with you. And I think that going to Leicester, you know, in the buses and the trains, whatever, get boozed up a bit going to the game, like, there will be a good atmosphere there. And there will be the memory, too, of last season at Leicester, the way that kind of turned things around completely. So while I think that 60% of the fans have given up for sure, I think that the ritual of going to an away game could work in our favour. And if we were to beat Leicester, it would change the picture completely. Do you know what I mean? That's the thing, you see. I don't think we will, but I think that if we could, and it was a great day like last year, it would change the picture completely. And then by the time you get back to Goodison, the whole atmosphere would be different. Do you know what I'm saying? So there is hope there. Um, and I think it lies in the away support. Because it's... You know- one of the best in the division. Do you know what though? Like I listened to it, and I sh- and in my head I'm like, bloody hell yeah, we could we could win that. For what? For what? We do we do another season of this. We we do we do another year of Bill Kenwright telling us that that tell you what when we got out of relegation the second time it was even better than the first time lads. Like for what? What's what? It it really feels like like you got people talking about Dice going as well today. I can't even think about managers now. I just, I, what's the point? What, what, what is it? What for? Like, the board is terminal. It is utterly, malignantly terminal. And until that changes, what do we do? Do we just do this same thing? Do we just crack on, try and tell them that the statements they're making are stupid, that they should turn up to the ground instead of being shit houses and stay at home? Like, what do we do? Do we just crack on and try and do it again? That's where I am. I'm so utterly fatigued with it. I am to the point now where last year it was Chef and Burnley's results. This year is Chef and Leeds' results. And if you we stay up, brilliant. Yeah, what's next year? Just Chef. Um, let's check Burnley's results again. Let's see how that goes. Just like it, it's not about. I don't even think it's about staying up or going down now. I don't think it is because if it's not this year, yeah. It's just going to be the next one. Like, that's the point we're at. And it's the point we've been at for a few years now where it's get closer and closer and closer until something changes at that highest level now. What's this for? Yeah, and to be fair as well, I remember last season, vividly, Palace game, like one of the best, perversely one of the best moments of my Everton sporting life, I'd say, just to release those three goals in the second half. But I remember afterwards talking to my old man on the phone because I was in Spain at the time. And I was like, the good thing is this will never happen again. Like, because it was such a shock. We'll do well in the summer, rebuild next season. We'll be challenging for, you know, mid-table, maybe pushing into a European place. And I think every Evertonian genuinely thought that a good momentum that came from that result would have carried into next season, this season. Although the Arsenal game obviously would have tempered that expectation a bit. 
But um, I think, like Mike said, like the fact that it's happened all over again, and it's even worse this time, I'd argue, because you don't have Richardson in the team. Um, and we also have more division between the board and the supporters. It makes it so much more toxic and so much more hopeless. I guess the ones the ones that are lining would be if you know this sale goes through to the seven seven partners and the stadiums in the horizon as well. The stadium would be a great carrot um, in the future if we do stay up, you know. And I think that uh, that's the only silver lining, really. But I think if we go down, the problem if we go down is like I know some people say that it's like a clean break, like a way of resetting. But I genuinely think, and I've said this for a couple of years, I think we're closer to being a Sunderland than being a Burnley in terms of we won't go down, get lean and mean, come back up in with a winning attitude like Burnley have done this season, like Newcastle did a few years ago when they won the championship. Uh, I think it's going to be more of a case of we're going to plummet down the division and we're going to be fighting for our survival, basically, because who knows what players we're going to have to sell in the summer? Who knows where the money is going to be reinvested? We still have a very incoherent and messy situation off the pitch financially and in terms of organization so i would be genuinely fearful for the future of the club if we were if we were to go down so it's a really grim situation i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, the difference with the difference with Newcastle is that Mike Ashley isn't a moron. He was just a tight get. That was, that, that was the situation there. The difference is that the man in charge of the football club here is an actual lunatic. Like you look at, I'm sure you'll want to speak about it in a minute. I'll do a crack and segue for you here, Matt. Is Marcel Brands' quotes today just? Oh, incredible. we were going to come up. I was going to come on to that in a bit. Yeah, yeah. Tell you what, tell you what. It's like I've never been away in it. Just incredible. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Um, it's just the fact that you have an utter lunatic in charge and the man who makes Blood Brothers come to real life as his sidekick. There is no silver lining there, I don't that, think. That, that was the thing. I'm listening to, you know, Alan talk about that Palace game last year, and I, got, I remember a lot of the podcasts we did around then. And I, and I can't remember who said this, forgive me, but it was like, I think after that, or leading up to like the potential of relegation that season, somebody said, like, well, this club needs the, the biggest shock like biggest shake up it, it sort of ever had at the end of the season if we stay up if we don't but the worry always was that if we didn't go if the shock wasn't big enough then you know the changes wouldn't happen at, at the top of the football club and, and we've seen it like the, the self-congratulatory nature of the entire football club at, after that game I mean I, I as fans, listen, I think, Alan, you're absolutely right. We were all felt like, we, perversely, it was one of our, the, the best nights we've had as an Everton fan because the relief just poured out to everybody. But, but we're allowed Christ, to. Jesus Christ, yeah. Like, it, it, it wasn't, it's not like it was anything to, like, our fault or, by any means. It, you know, the people at the top of the... I, I just remember, like, in America in the summer when they had that that audience with the, the men in blazers and they brought Anthony Gordon out and... And um, Alex Awobi and, and Pickford and interview like Lampard, like going through it, like it was some glorious run to, to a trophy. I was just like, oh my God, I was just, I was just cringing every every time I heard it. 
And like what they've done is they've slapped themselves on the back and gone, oh God, close call that. That's never going to happen again, isn't it? We'll, we'll, we'll just crack on this season. And and you've seen it in the last few weeks, like Bill Kenwright's statement in, in the accounts about Palace and Leicester being two of the, the best moments of his life. There's a picture of it on Kevin Felwell's wall in, in a Finch farm. And, you know, it's it's just that was always the worry that they were just going to pat themselves on the back, have a deep breath and just crack on. And, and that's exactly what they've done. And it's, it, if anything, it's, it's got even worse. And, you know, just, just to sort of speak about the game a little bit before we go on to brands and all that. Um, you know, I said on said on the post match last night, Mike, that um, watching Ben Godfrey die a slow death in that game was one of the most remarkable and bewildering and I'm downright worrying when it comes to Sean Dyche things I've ever seen. And and just to repeat myself again, it's not I've not got an issue really so much that he started him because obviously. Holgate's suspended, Coleman's out. He's got one or two choices there, but to do absolutely nothing to try and change the course of that game and change and protect him, like be it take him off or support him, was just it was just like, yeah, go on, go on, Ben. Just, you know, here's enough rope, lad. Like yeah. that that was it. He just, he just died a slow death on the football pitch. Didn't change the system, didn't change the personnel, didn't change the player in front of him. Um, it was just unbelievable watching that unfold in the way it did. Yeah, I'm not sure Ben Godfrey, Godfrey really recovers from that. But that's the, that, that's one of them games that like just happens and that's it. Then it just sort of changes the trajectory. Tony there. Hibbert at Wembley in 2009, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that the most amazing thing is that we... Well, I feel like everyone's discourse on this has been fullbacks for a while. It's like, well, you've got Calvert-Lewin coming back, so we need crosses. Ben Godfrey. Like, I'm just... Do you know, if even if you don't think that Nathan Patterson is the most secure, solid defensive fullback that you know, fine, just use a defensive midfielder to cover him, change the system and use it, and just for the love of God, have a fullback on a pitch who can cross the feckin' ball, because that is the most important thing to that side, is getting... Aerial into the box. Like we don't, we don't, we don't have wingers who can cross the ball. It's like it's like honestly, just it, it baffles me that the whole thing was like, well, you know, Dominic's coming back. He's looking really strong. He's looking really good. You got no one to give him the football, and you're making that even worse by actually limiting your delivery because you haven't got any wingers. You're going right, okay. So we've got a fullback who can actually do that in bits. Let's swerve him and use the fella who's going to look like he genuinely doesn't have control of his motor functions instead. It was just, it's baffling, isn't it? But like, I'm loath to even talk about Dice, to talk about the players. I just don't have it in me. I just really don't. Like, do you know, at this is the point. I'm so fatigued with it all that we've done this. We've done this so many times with different managers, with different players, with different systems. It's just all leading to the same place. It's just always dragging towards that drain. And we're just getting closer and closer. And we're circling it shorter and shorter. And, like, I can spend 15 minutes talking about Daesh and Yerry Mina and Ben Godfrey, but what's the point? For for, for what? Because that's not going to change. Even if you go, all right, yeah, sound. So we've been relegated. Let's sack him. Let's bring in the next fella who just sits behind the lunatics who are running the asylum. Just, it, but. 
I don't know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> what do you want me to do? Do you want me to carry on talking about Sean Dyke? Sure, do you want me to, I'm, you know, I'm just going to stop. You can talk about, I mean, Alan, did you, <laughs> well, according to the manager, Michael Keane played well, so, you know, expect him to be in the team again on Monday. I'm going to go and get another drink, I think. <laughs> go on, Alan, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, like, to be honest, I feel a bit uncomfortable with the criticism of Ben Godfrey. I mean, like, obviously he was terrible, but I think this morning, like, Evertonians have a habit of seizing upon something and directing all their anger towards it, especially on Twitter. Mm. So this morning and last night, it was all Ben Godfrey isn't fit to wear the shirts, all this kind of thing. But it's like Ben Godfrey is only a symptom of all the problems that we have. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's not been the same player since he suffered from COVID and he got long COVID. He was out for ages. He athletically never recovered, obviously, cognitively, apparently he didn't either. And he's playing out of position, playing right back, do you know what I mean? Or left back. He's not playing center back. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, he was terrible. And the coach should have put in Patterson in the absence of Seamus Coleman. But I think people are directing all their ire towards him in a kind of yeah. a weird way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, but yeah, it was mind-numbing. I mean, I think that I said after the Palace game that without Onana and Coleman in the team, there's no personality and no leadership because I think when a game is neutral, Onana is brilliant for having on the pitch because his his enthusiasm, his kind of confidence in the ball, the way he works with the crowd, you know, it can get annoyed some people sometimes. I think it's something that we need and he does bring personality to the team. But in the absence of that, there's nothing in midfield really, I don't think. Now, when we're losing, I think it's different because I don't think he responds to games that we're losing very well. I think he's better in games that we're either drawing or winning um, because he's still quite young, obviously. Um, I think when we're losing, it's different. But I think Coleman is a huge loss too from a leadership point of view. I know it's a cliche, but like without him in the team, there really is nobody taking control. Like that instance I mentioned earlier when Michael Keane and Yeri, and, uh, Yeri Mina and Idris Gay were arguing um, in the final throws, like Coleman would not allow that to happen. Do you know what I mean? He would have stepped in and bollocking. Like that's what, what he would have done. Um, I think in the absence of him, there was just no leadership. Like Tarkovsky obviously is a experienced player but I don't think he's as vocal um, or as commanding um, as a leader should be and in the absence of that I think the most vocal player from what I've seen for instance at Palace was Jordan Pickford but we know he's a goalkeeper and goalkeepers can't command defences like centre-backs or right-backs can so yeah it's a very difficult situation I think Coleman coming back would be a boost um, I know a lot of Evertonians have had long running issues with Coleman and I understand I think, I think, there's, I think there's one on this call <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But I yeah, mean, no, I, I, I get it. I get it. Like he should be replaced years ago. But the fact of the matter is, like, Vitaly Mikolenko is a championship footballer. Like, he's oh, he's man. one of the most genuinely, he's useless. Like, he's, he's, a, I like him as a person. He seems to be a nice guy. He goes in hard in a challenge. Obviously, his country is at war. And we're sorry about that. But as a footballer, technically, he is below average. I'm quite nice, but I am also crap at football. Like, that's, that's the measure. <laughs> isn't it? Like, that's the reason I'm not playing for Everton Football Club. It doesn't matter how nice you are. Like, it's yeah. just... It's, but like, it's, Mike, we, we used to, like, talk about Coleman in, like, 2019 and say, God, you know, God bless him. He needs to be replaced. And was sat here him four to the glue years, factory. Yes, was, I know. We're sat here four years on. And he's, he's not just, like, playing. He's important. But he's like he's the best fullback of the club by a by a mile, like by, by, a, by a country mile. He's still yeah. the best fullback of the football club. 
Remember, yeah. remember, remember Benitez, he was going on about how smart business it was to sell Luka Dean and replace him with Patterson, who's played about five games for Rangers and Mikhelenko. Like it's just, and I remember there was the Benitez supporters on Twitter defending that as well. They were saying, look, it's good business. Like, it's not good business at all. Like, it's just, it looks it, very bad now. Um, just before we go on to talk about um, the brand stuff and the um, fab no confidence votes in, in Bill Cameron, right? Um, does anyone want to talk about that fourth goal? I just I just feel like I need to just... Uh, Paddy described it as the worst goal he's ever seen ever to concede on the um, on, on the podcast last night. I mean, it's just... It's it's quite staggering. Like, I think I think he's like, like I think it, the run is in two parts. But the first bit is genuinely really good. Like there's a good bit of footwork in there and a good turn. It's that and last bit, and he just runs. He just runs towards the. I think I think Michael Keane genuinely ushers him through like like a matador with a rag. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just like, 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 like there's like, the, there's the goal, lad. Off you go. It's that way. Literally pointing him towards it. It was like watching somebody play FIFA in amateur mode, literally. Like, that's what it was like. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it's like that bit when you when you play like seven aside on one of the pitches and no one's booked after you, so you get the extra hour, but you get about half an hour into that extra hour and you get knackered, <laughs> and then you get one person whose fitness is so much better, and that person just takes the absolute piss. That was what it was like. It was like they played the extra half hour on goals. It was just awful. Just yeah. terrible. Um, Mark Mosey texted me he's away at the moment. He was watching it um, on mute on his on his iPad and assumed he said he just assumed that the referee had blown the whistle based on the way based on the way everybody stopped. And it's like, oh wait, we're, we're all still playing, are we? Um, just yeah, ridiculous. I still I still think Brighton's four from the season tops it for ridiculousness. But, yeah, probably. But that was not far off. Um, just to sort of bring. Bring this to an end, then, um, Mike. You you did mention about Marcel Brands. Um, he's done an interview. It's only come out in the last couple of hours or so, and I'm sure we'll get into it in a bit more detail and have a podcast later in the week because there is absolutely loads in there, and a lot of it is very very scary. Um, it ranges from um, saying effectively he didn't want Salomon Rondon, and to quote Marcel Brands, um, well, he, he said he thought his salary was too high. He was in his thirties. It was a bad idea. And to quote Brands, uh, Bahar Mishu said to him, think of it as a present for the trainer, um, which is mad. Um, we talked about Marco Silva and not necessarily wanting him to go. Um, we talked about potentially the owner being involved in picking teams um, as well. Um, it just kind of confirms all the stuff that we suspected, but never really completely fully knew. And this yeah, obviously, we're not, this we're is, not surprised, are we? And this, this is this is Brand saying this, and Everton haven't responded yet, which I think you know we, we are obliged. I am to shocked. Say. <laughs> we are obliged to Evan say. Everton haven't but, responded to something I mean, someone said. But like <sighs> this is like this is like um, like, do you know like like Palermo used to like like sack three managers a year, and the the, the owner would take charge and like pick the team, and you go, yeah. my God, what what a, what a what a circus that is! What's going on there? Like this is this is approaching that, isn't it? You missed the best bit though. Go on, what's the best bit? Um, Bill Kemwright referring to Marcel Brands as indie because of his passing resemblance to Harrison Ford. That's that's the best bit, isn't it? It's just, Does he even look like Harrison Ford? I don't think so. Maybe if Harrison Ford ate about 500 pies so his face went a bit rounder. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's what we knew, isn't it? Like, it's, 
everything that we assumed and had just never heard. Everything that was spoken about when it was not spoken about. All those absolutely crazy, ridiculous things that we haven't quite, people haven't quite said, that have just been assumed and sort of intimated that finally he's, he's just come out and said it. But you know what? There's two sides to every story. Let's be honest. He was not good at his job. Like the, the players he recruited, a lot of them were bad footballers. Some of them were, he was unlucky with, but his strike rate of players wasn't great. So you've got to add that into account. But yeah, it just confirms a lot more about Mashiri being absolutely bonkers, which imagine my shock. Fancy that. Um, Marco Silva not getting sacked. I think that's the most pertinent one for me. And I think it goes back to something we were talking about before is that it doesn't really matter who the manager is. Doesn't really. Like, Carlo Ancelotti was the exception to the rule. Just was because he's very good at the football thing. But the rest of them, it doesn't matter unless you are that absolute world class behemoth of a manager. Just it makes no difference. Everton, Everton's gravitational force will drag you further and further down because from the very top, that's that's what's happening. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, Alan, um, I already said the quotes to you just before we started recording. So I don't know if you had a chance to see them, but um I mean well, take is, it in. There, there is there is a lot of remarkable stuff in there, isn't there? Um I, I have think, you have you missed me, Matt? Have you missed me? <laughs> it's just I just I just thought it'd be good to before I asked you to come on before this had even come out. And when I saw this, I thought, oh yeah, here we go again. But um yeah, it, it, I remember the time, Alan, when we sacked Brands, just thinking that's very strange and, and the way they all went about it. But it's just more evidence of of completely non-joined up thinking, isn't it, from the football club? We're just lurching from idea to idea, making decisions on a whim, no strategy. And just think, yeah, it's a little wonder we are where we are. I'm just distracted there because the sun is shining in your window and you look like you're being beamed up to heaven or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's being raptured. Maybe it's that gravitational. Like you're Jesus Christ or something with your hair, especially. Jesus Christ. Maybe it's that gravitational pull of Everton that Mike mentioned, just dragging me down. But that pulls yeah. you down, not up. That pulls you down, not up. <laughs> but uh, but no, it's, I mean, it's it's no surprise. Like Mike said, like I think we all know that was a story behind the scenes. This just, just confirms it. I'm guessing the uh, the NDA that Browns would have signed when he left the club is probably expired by now. And that's why this is all coming out now. But I think, like, you know, it's just a complete story of mismanagement. Like, and I tweeted last night, I kind of said that everything are going to go down and they deserve it completely. I remember me and Patty having a conversation earlier in the season and we're kind of just saying, like, literally no club in England deserves to go down like everything do. Like, no club in European football does because they've done everything wrong that they could have done wrong. Like, they're historically a big club with a big fan base who starves to success. So it's the perfect opportunity for a new owner to come in and lift them back to where they were previously. It's not like Manchester City or, you know, Chelsea to an extent where they're basically creating history from nothing. Um, it's more similar to, say, Newcastle, even though Newcastle obviously don't have the same history of success that we do in terms of, you know, trophies, that kind of thing. But they are a big club in terms of cultural influence, side of the size of their fan base, all that kind of thing. Identity in the city. Um, That's enough being nice about Newcastle now. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, you know, we have like, what, what was I saying? We have, um, we had a very kind of 
disciplined, lean, mean squad for years in the Moyes where we bought really well. We always used every penny that we had, you know, signed very good players, very low fees, very intelligent in the market. So logically looking at it, when he took over, you'd say, okay, we'll extrapolate that intensity, that knowledge onto a bigger scale and we'll pro- progress and progress and progress. But I think there's two issues with Moshiri era. One is that Mashiri is there and that he's being so hands-on, not trusting football people, um, not, you know, seeding the ground to experts who know better than him and listening to what they have to say and instead going for ego-based decisions. And two, that Bill Kenwright was there because Bill Kenwright is basically a harbinger of arrogant mediocrity, like, you know, just a cringe person. Like, like Mike said, like calling... Marcel Brands, Indiana Jones, like it's just cringe behavior, typical West. Like your granddad, innit? Yeah. Like like your granddad sees someone in the pub and goes, hey, doesn't he look like Indiana Jones? (laughs) You're right, Indy. (laughs) Granddad. But I don't know. I think, like, I don't know. It's just, but he's not even like a, like, I remember at the palace with so many, like I was sitting next to this old fella and he was actually so funny. Like he was a proper scouser and he was ancient, like, but he was just like effing and blinding. He was just hilarious. You know, I, I feel like Ken Wright, and maybe you can correct me here because I'm obviously not a scouser, but it feels to me like Ken Wright is somebody who went down to London. I took on those London attributes and then came back up. I didn't even come back up. Am I right in saying that? It's just yeah, cringe. This is cringe. Like, anyway, he talks. He's just such a... I think I, I I think he's part deluded, part narcissistic. He definitely well, that statement, that statement you released before the Palace game was so pure narcissism because like I tweeted at the time, he clearly didn't even have anyone edit that. Nobody looked over it because it was literally grammatically incorrect. Yeah. It was written like as a writer's perspective, it was poorly written. It was just embarrassing, complete embarrassment. You know, it was, hit, it was not- Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. That was his equivalent of Mashiri going on talk sports, but instead of using notes on his iPhone, he just used the Everton website. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, 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 that's like what it was. And like, I mean, go, going on to that, Mike, now, um, you know, sort of on the back of that, obviously, there's a lot of fallout um, today. I mean, God, so, even today, so much has happened. Like, it's so exhausting being a circus of a club, isn't it? Like, not, not one day without something mad happening, but um, we'll yeah, never anyway. Happen. Yeah, will never happen. One regular day of Everton. Um, One day of Everton, never happen. Yeah. The, the, the fan advisory board, of, and and actually, it's it, it's a really good statement. To be fair, you know, it's it's, it's to the point. It's well written. It, it brings been proofread. Been proofread. <laughs> been proofread. Yeah, maybe maybe once or twice at least. Um, but like this, this does feel. I don't know. Maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. But to me, it feels relatively significant. At least I'd say you know because. The fan advisory board is it is associated with the club and affiliated with the club a bit, isn't it? And you know, as much as as much as Bill in in his statements sort of in, you know implicated that there's just you know this is just a few you know troublemakers, you know everything's going all right. For for, for the fan advisory board to do that, I think is maybe a, a, a relatively big step. But I feel like you're going to disagree with me. Yeah, I mean, 
the fellas just stopped turning up to games. Like, <laughs> do you know? Do you know the key bit of owning a football team, like the the matches, because it was going really badly. You just stopped turning up. What makes you think the the FAB would make any any difference? I also love before. I've got to come back to this. You, like you said before, I think what was it? The fab. Um, vote of no confidence in Bill Kenwright, which makes it sound like you were saying it was fabulous, it was brilliant. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just don't think stuff like that, it, it's just not going to matter. This has got into like Ellis Short, Randy Lerner territory for me, like where it's got to that point where even if you get media on side, even if you get local media on side, then what does it change? Nothing until the sale goes through. There's no, there is no real serious pressure because they can just stick the stick the heads in the sand while they're up in that ivory tower that they live in in London. Like what, 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 what will it change? Like none of not none of the other things that have happened seem to have galvanised any effort to actually get them to shut up shop and leave. As far as we know, as far as we can see, so I just, I just don't see what does change. To be honest, which is really sad to say, because I think that, as as Alan said before, it's like it, they are so, Mashiri himself is so utterly deluded, and Ken writes the same that they will genuinely think that they can do this, they they can do this. Do you know, we, like we did it last season, we can do it again not realising that's part of the fucking problem, lads. And even if you go down, we can do this. Our legacy won't be leaving Everton in the championship. Like, that's all it's going to be. And we know that straight away. Like, Mishiri will do that thing where he goes out, he hires a manager who's got champion experience, championship experience, someone properly, properly awful, like Mark Warburton or someone like that. <laughs> just incredibly bold, incredibly championship, not very good. And he'll Chris hire Wilder. someone. Chris Wilder. Yeah. Ex- Alex, yes. Alex Neal. Oh, yes. Excellent shout. It'll be like that ballpark, very white, very bold or going bold and just bad at doing football management. That's it. That'll be his mo for it, and he'll go and he'll decide who it'll be because he's not leaving Everton in the championship, and it'll just make things worse. It's like he's stuck in one of them Chinese finger puzzles and he's got no no clue how to get out of it, and he thinks that if he just forces and just keeps pulling his fingers apart, it'll be grand, and it's not been grand so far. So what are we gonna do? To keep doing it, just gonna keep doing it until they come out, and it's very much like that, like. I don't know what else I can say about it. Chinese finger puzzle, man. Like, that's where we are. Uh, do you think it changes anything, Alan? Or are they are they just clinging on for their life now? Like, is is it, is it going to be the sale or the stadium being done that eventually means that everything is going to change? Yeah, well, I guess the worry is that they're going to say, as Mike said there, that you know they want their legacy to be positive even though it's never going to be positive, but they want to, in their heads to say that it's positive, you know, because a lot of people in all like walks of life, like to kind of, you know, do things in a way where they can tell a positive story about it. So if you break up, 
with your girlfriend you want to phrase it in a certain way where it sounds like you were the one who made it happen that kind of thing do you know what i'm saying yeah you like what they want is to say okay we had some tough times but we we steered them through the ship we went down we came back up got into a new stadium we left them in a better place than we found them this kind of thing do you know what i'm saying didn't like, leave it a blackburn away yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and they're in the playoffs they could come up oh sake. there you go <laughs> i don't know god knows who like so yeah, exactly. I think that's that's the worry. But I think you know, the only way forward for the club is without the board in place. I think you know, even like obviously my dad loved Graham Sharp as a player. You know, he was somebody who was you know one of the greatest strikers in England or if not Europe in the mid nineteen eighties. But I think he's really solid his reputation in terms of the way he's aligned himself with this board. Denise Barrett backs Barrett Baxendale. Um, you know, the headlock incident will never be recovered from. Um, I think. <laughs> Constant backing. It's just mad to even think back to that, isn't it? Like, just forget. Remember, this happened. Like, they literally said that she was in a headlock from a male fan, and then didn't press any police charges. Backtrack completely. It was just refused to say anything about it again. I just can't. I just can't believe that's not even in the top five moments. Like the CEO claiming to be stone cold stunned and having (laughs) no evidence of it whatsoever. Yeah, he's not even in the top five moments. Is it this season? That's incredible. That was one of the worst moments, though, because for me, that was really like they're trying to weaponize. I think like the English media already has a perception about Everton and Liverpool as well, for Scousers, I think. And it's a bit like, I think Scousers and Irish people are similar in this regard. It's like very easy for them to paint us as like a certain demographic. Do you know what I'm saying? Luddites. Yeah, basically, yeah. Like up to no good and this kind of stuff. So I think think what they were doing, uh, Ken Wright specifically, um, was basically tapping into that national psyche so that whenever Everton are discussed on, you know, podcast or on TV, they'll always add the caveat of that aggression shown towards the board members. That's why they're not turning up. And that's really ugly for me because that's basically betraying your link to the club completely. So once that happened for me, it kind of violated everything I think Everton should be about. And I just think there's no coming back from that at all. Like So I think the sooner they leave the club, the better, because I think that um, they've... They've kind of crossed the points in no return. Yeah, massively so. Um, God, just even thinking back to that that time, it's just like, <laughs> just incredible. Oh God, like like you said, you know. And also, that was the Southampton game. That was that was uh, Nathan Jones' only win as a Premier League manager. Bloody hell, remember him? Yeah. Jesus. He only had one win. Oh my God, he's going to be our manager in the championship. <laughs> That's that's what that's what we're missing now. Just just him talking about how he could have married a nice Welsh girl and stayed in the mountain fucking village. It's gonna be the godbother, isn't it? It's gonna be. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, my word! Um, just very quickly before. Go on, sorry. Do you, know, do you know when the season finishes and it is all like done and we are toast? We'll have to do a greatest hits of ridiculousness of Everton's time in the Premier League. Where we do like a top ten or something, where we just reminisce about them moments, like Umani Ass's wrist and stuff. <laughs> like, gotta go into all that. Oh god! I heard yeah. the Den Big, the Den Big were playing funeral music last night, were they? Yeah, they were. Yeah, um, sound, the- sound oh. of Silence was on. <laughs> um, oh god, yeah, Matt, Matt Fuss got them all lined up. Yeah, so what's the plan post Bournemouth? I'll be there for that. Like, what's the story there going to be? I don't I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, what do you do after you get relegated? Like, well, you, know, you probably couldn't even ask any living Evertonians because it happened last in 1951. So, like, you just 
just stay in the just stay in the ground for ages, or just you get off? Like what? I don't know. Like what's the opposite of a lap of honor? Is it like that bit on Game of Thrones? Shame. Where, walk of shame. Yeah, where yeah. the woman, where where like shame doing that, like get Matt ringing a bell behind them all. Great. I saw I saw like um, Roy on Twitter saying about that today. Uh, you know, bad walls sort of saying you see so many teams go down and get like gallantly applauded by the, the home fans on the last day. It's like, nope, that's that's Ooh. that's not gonna happen. I've got to say, I don't think by, by any stretch of the imagination. But I tell you what, though, the Danby will absolutely be rocking on that last day, yeah. whatever happens, like because people will just be like, sod it, let's have a drink. It'll be and like a wake, won't it? It will be like a wake. It will, that's what it'll be. It's it'll gonna be, like, be a wake. Like, you know, like the wire where like you lay them out on the pool table. Like, just get Body someone in American. Kit. I'm getting that on the playlist. Get, there you get go. Someone in, get someone in an Everton kit to lie down on the table. Put like, put like a Fellaini wig on the, their head. Like, uh, a rat, Everton rattle in one hand. Like, that would be the weirdest escort request ever, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Marijuana Fellaini lookalike. <laughs> God. Just all these like mad bits of Everton paraphernalia, just like, and then just lay them out on the on the bar, and then we can just have a nice sing song and like take them outside, burn them. <laughs> Maybe not that. Um, <laughs> oh god! <laughs> yeah. Finally, a- a- any hope is you know Leicester are a, sh- a shite as well. Like I, like I said before, like even if the the mir- the miracle happens and. Everton managed to scrounge enough points over Leeds. What next? We do it again next year. I don't have hope until this ends. And whether it's this season, next season, or season after, that makes them eventually go, yeah, it's time to leave the board. I mean, but it's time to leave. I don't really have any form of hope for it. It's like how VAR stopped me celebrating goals. This has stopped me enjoying any form of Everton now. There is, even when they win, it's like, because I think, I can't remember who it was, someone in, someone said it the other day, most goals that Everton score now are inconsequential. They don't matter. Like, we don't... The, like, goal, most, the goal we scored last night was so bad, like, as well. Like, like, they, don't, they don't matter. Like, when was, when was the last time we celebrated a goal? Like, and just, this matters. Probably Michael Keane's one. It's like, it's like it, it, like it just doesn't matter very often for us, and I think that's how I feel about Everton in general at the minute. It just doesn't really matter until something changes. Because if you live in this world a hundred percent of the time, and you're aggressively taking your brain over with Everton at the moment, you're on a fucking hide to nothing. Get out of it. It's terrifying. Because there is no joy to be had there until that does change, I don't think. So you're talking about hope. I don't see any. Even if they do the miracle situation, what next? The same. Maybe worse. Alan, you got any hope? Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, well, I mean, looking at it, like the fixture is here in front of me. I think we can beat Leicester, genuinely. I think we could beat Leicester. Night game as well. Um, Brighton. Get a point. City will lose that game, and then you've Wolves in Bournemouth. Like I mean, I genuinely, four of those five games we could do something in. Like I think it's unlikely, but the one saving grace for me is Dominic. I think he looks sharp. Oh, they look yeah. sharp last night. 
the one turn that was brilliant where he really turned, I think it was Botman, and kind of just couldn't get a shot away, but he was sharp. He looked very sharp. So that's all he needed thing. was three more turns, and we might have got a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like, no, I mean, we'll see what happens. Like, I mean, it's highly unlikely at this point, but I do think that, you know, if you look around us, Forest are a poor side, Leeds are a poor side, Leicester are a poor side. So I think, like we said at the beginning of the show, Matt, what we need basically is for them to collapse in the run in and for us to pull something out of the bag. So it's, it's it's unlikely I think that the likelihood is that we're going down but I think that it's not over yet and for me the big hope is that you know we get to Bournemouth and we're alive basically like so that's the big hope for me that we have a chance of staying up on the last day of the season because I think if we were going to that game whatever but being relegated after the game in the Den Big and getting the points in or whatever I think if we begin that day relegated it would be the most depressing thing in the world do you know what I mean like can you imagine that yeah. I can't imagine I can't imagine the opposite. The opposite, I think, would make me spontaneously combust of like a last day scenario. <laughs> We're building all over again, isn't it? Like, yeah, nah. My, my dad, my dad, my dad was because obviously in Ireland we don't have, you know, back in those days we didn't have live matches, like unless it was a you know FA Cup game or whatever. So uh, he told me he like he went for a walk during that game, the Wimbledon game. I wasn't even born yet, like. And he literally just left the house, walked around for like two hours and then came back and checked the score. He couldn't handle it. Like, so <laughs> it'd be at the game now. So I don't know how he's going to handle that. Like, but uh, I certainly won't be able to. Jesus Christ. It's a terrifying concept, to be honest with you. Like, the signal is awful at Goodison as well. So trying to get other scores. Yeah, oh, it's going to be one incredibly scouse. Leeds are equalized, lads. <laughs> and it'll just be everyone really sad. <laughs> Oh God! Who did Leeds and Leicester have in the last day? And Forest, you know? Oh, I've got no idea. No. I think I think I think Leeds have got um, Spurs at home, so that's probably a good game for them, really. Yeah. Um, well, I've not got the fixtures to hand, but Richardson will score a goal for us. Oh, yeah. Sweet Prince. Imagine his first his first Premier League goal of the season was to save everything from relegation. Can you imagine that happening? I'd give him our Player of the Year award. Yeah, I would. I swear to God, I swear to God, if they give any awards out this year, oh my God, if that blue blood award comes anywhere out of that cupboard, the chairman's blue blood award. Oh my God, no, I just can't. Even that's like like narcissistic and like a bit. Yeah, naming an award after you. Oh God, yeah, Yeah. disgusting. Um, right, we'll leave it there anyway. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk towards the light. Into the rapture, as, as, you, <laughs> as you both mentioned, it's been it's been one of those. I'm just so just so tired, so tired. Thank God, the weekend. It's fun, eh? Yeah, yeah, it is actually. That yeah. didn't sound like it was fun. Do you know, I'm going to one I'm going positive to... though. The one positive though. Go on, go on. We have a weekend with no Everton. That Yay! Is, that's true. You doing anything nice at the weekend? I'm going to watch one of my mates play a rugby semi final if they win. The um get to Twickenham, better play Twickenham. So nice, should be good. Please, I'm I've started drinking already, so I'll probably just carry on. Nice, nice. Yeah. Alan, you did anything? I would say my weekend be more similar to Michael's than yours, to be honest, Matt. <laughs> carry on drinking. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, we'll be back. We'll be back on Monday. Um, for instant reactions to Leicester. Hopefully, with a win, but yeah, who knows? Um. Try and take some time away from Everton this weekend. 
<laughs> enjoy yourself and we'll be back at it again next week cheers to Mike cheers to Valid up the top these we'll see you soon Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.